Hi, and welcome to Resting Pitch Face, Episode 1. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Tonight, we're uh, planning to discuss some Nats Night Out, some interesting defensive strategies of various types, and hashtag make the All-Star Game fun for the first time. <laughs> um, but first, we want to thank everybody who listened to and responded to our, our Episode 0 and gave us some good feedback. Um, we actually have some stuff to talk about that feedback, and then we'll let you guys all know how you can give us some feedback for future episodes. Um, so, Sydney, do you want to go into that? I think you got, you're the one who got the most pointed feedback. Sure. Um, I'd be happy to. So, most of the feedback that I got was of the fun variety, uh, though and a, ver a very astute listener and the uh, Resting Pitch Face unofficial fact checker, um, uh, better known as the person who knows the Nats between 2005 and 2010 better than I think anyone else on Earth, um, pointed out that when Gorzlani walked, it wasn't because the Nats failed to offer him a relief contract or enough money, but it was because he wanted uh, to be a starter, which was the opportunity he got with the Brewers but wouldn't have gotten with the Nationals. Uh, that said, I think, you know, even said fact checker conceded uh, that the Point still kind of stood about the Nats entering that season with zero lefty relievers in the bullpen. Um, and so, I, you know, but th that is true. He did walk, uh, not necessarily because of money reasons, but because of position and usage reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, the other pieces of feedback we got, and we've put them um, up on our Twitter and our Tumblr, were um, making baseball fun again with Oliver Perez. Uh, you know, another astute Pittsburgh listener um, alerted me to the fact that uh, Perez made uh, some pretty funny commercials when he was in Pittsburgh, including one about baking, uh, and that led us all on a YouTube jaunt to uh, Oliver Perez grumpily removing his shirt during a game. All of this, uh, by the way, can be found on our Tumblr, uh, resting pitch, restingpitchfacepodcast.tumblr.com. We have posted the videos because... You, we're about certain things, and I think if you listen to us long enough, you're going to be about those same things. And one of those is always going to be grumpy stripping with Oliver Perez. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was yeah. most of the feedback I got. Um, but if they folks want to leave us feedback, how can they do that? If you have any feedback to, to give us, please, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to respond to it. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, please make sure you hit us at Twitter.com slash restinpitchface, restingpitchfacepodcast.tumblr.com, or restingpitchface at gmail.com. So in addition to feedback, we of course have, you know, nationals news this week, uh, including some very important musical developments. Yes, well, we have some very important musical developments. The, the one-inning uh, career, the 15-minute the, the <laughs> rap career of Bob Carpenter. Dana B and Bob announcing in the big leagues. We're swinging for the fences, baby. What thoughts on Bob's rap? Uh, Bob's 15-minute one-inning rapid career? 
15 minutes is generous, man. More like 15 seconds. But I do think, personally, <laughs> he shouldn't quit his day job. I, I think don't... if he keeps it going in Pats games, he, he could see some improvement with practice. Uh, but I, I just don't think he should. He's got to get out on the field a little bit, you know. He's got to take some, like, rap grounders, I think, a little while, you know. <laughs> Maybe he and Zim can listen to some music together. <laughs> Given that uh, Zim is, Zim's taste in music yeah. is apparently uh, going to help Bob Carpenter with his nascent rap career, uh, which probably should stay nascent. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that Zim actually has quite a lot to teach Bob Carpenter about rap. About rap. Um. <laughs> I think I think Ryan Zimmer was probably like the best beginning teacher for that. Uh, you know, it's not ta- it's it's basically the blind leading the blind, but at least the second blind would learn something from the first blind. I, I feel like the first blind would make more sense if he were I don't know on a boogie woogie jazz piano, circa 1915, <laughs> and also wearing a straw hat. But that's but just he's me. clearly not, unfortunately. I mean, that's the problem, is, like, we think this, but he's not. <laughs> Maybe no one has ever shown him. What he would like, look like if he were wearing a straw hat? And I, I really just want him to be dressed as Dick Van Dyke from <laughs> Mary Poppins. Like, that's what I want out of life. I mean, maybe maybe no one has ever, like, introduced this concept to him, and if you play him some, like, ragtime piano, he'll be like, oh, damn, that's it, that's what I need, and he's just, like, he's never been introduced to it before. Uh, or, maybe. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, he starts walking out to the Andrews sisters, like, there are so many possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent. Uh, well, that's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the other the other news that we were going to talk about tonight is actually not Nat's news or music related. Although you know he does always look like he's going to have a very specific type of music, and then it's not what he plays. Tim Lincecum is back in baseball, back in Major League Baseball, I should specify, because he has been uh, in the minors for a little bit. But he had his debut with the Angels. Yeah. So Saturday he threw 98 pitches, 59 strikes. Um, he went six innings, and he only allowed one run on four hits, so that's pretty encouraging, I'd say. Not that one start really means a whole lot, but you always want to start off on a good on a good note. Um, I'm sure it must have been a little weird, or more than a little weird, for all the Giants fans, given that he made that start for the Angels over in Oakland. Um, and so I would be very curious to know exactly what the fan makeup of that crowd was, um, how many Giants fans actually just came over to to see him I would I would imagine a lot I would think Well yeah I mean I would I would anticipate uh, you know most people would just go across the bridge and and watch him I also would be curious to you know what the temperature of the game was <laughs> <laughs> Well let's see coldest summer of my life was in summer in San Francisco coldest winter of my life um, Yeah it probably wasn't super warm But I mean considering the amount of uh Ace fans that slept to to AT and T a couple years back when Gia was there, I wouldn't be at all surprised if a whole bunch of Giants fans slept to Oakland. I mean, it's not really even a schlep, really. So. 
I mean, is there any is there anything we really sort of have to say about Tim Linscombe other than kind of glad he's back in baseball? Which, I mean, we are glad he's back in baseball. Um, there's a fan graph stat that's going around that is saying that his 2016 wins above replacement after this stat has already gone up to tie his 2014 wins above replacement. Jeez. Sadly, that doesn't surprise me considering 2014 was like the sharp decline of Tim Linscombe. I mean that was right. So that's when you and I were at uh, the one of the playoff games, and we just watched Timmy sitting in the bullpen, just spitting forever. I was gonna <laughs> say he spits so much, like even for a ball player. I was like, should I mention that? Should I not? I just I wonder stop. if he needs like salivary gland surgery in addition <laughs> to hip surgery, because like that is not normal, Timmy. Like. <sighs> You know, I, I don't know why anyone would need to ever spit that much. It was just constant spitting. Um, and it wasn't even well. I mean, he wasn't used in that game either. So because that was you know at the end of the season, so, what well, was in the postseason? So it was the the sharp decline of Tim Linscombe, and then the like descent into a sad trench of Tim Linscombe. Yeah. Um, I am actually looking up to see what the um what the uh, temperature of the game was um, because I, I had heard this and I, I want to say like every time the Giants came to Nats and it was hot, which was, you know, always in DC, um, Bob and FP keep making fun of, of Tim Litzkem's, um propensity to melt in the heat. Um, so I was actually looking up to see uh, what his, uh, what the, what the temperature was of that game. Um, just because thank you, baseballreference.com for, for having things like weather conditions. Um, well, it's important. How are you, if you're thinking about pitchers like, uh, prize winning racehorses, as we have discussed, and we'll probably discuss in future podcasts, weather conditions, turf, that all matters. <laughs> goats, they matter. I, I don't want to think of Tim for like a variety of reasons. <laughs> like, I know this is a family podcast, but like a variety of reasons and leave it at that. Every time I saw the Sacramento Bees uniforms, I thought it was, I don't know, like a, a Penguins or a Pirates uniform. Like, however, we have to recognize that they have the best name. The bees. Well, yeah, for being for being black and gold, uh, the bees are pretty good. But it looks like a freaking pirate's uniform. Like I kept being like, "Is Tim Linscombe a pirate? Have all my dreams come true?" Like, <laughs> Ooh, uh, I have to grow the hair back though. True. I'm. Although, I'm. I think if he were a pirate, that would be the only way that I would excuse that facial hair. Maybe like. Oh. A tiny bit of an excuse. Oh. Oh no. I mean, you're completely right, but oh no. Oh, it would still be awful. <laughs> oh, no. But, like it might make a tiny bit of sense. I'm pro the longer hair just because it makes him look a little bit more like Adam Driver, and I don't hate a world where people look like Adam Driver, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of anti the hair because it also it kind of looked greasy after a while maybe it was just every day every day yeah i meant every day 
<laughs> we we his typical name in this house was Heir of Slytherin. I mean, like like there were a lot of nicknames for Tim Lincecum, but Heir of Slytherin kind of just like stood at the top of the pile. Like <laughs> it was not an accident. <laughs> Look, okay, and we talked about this earlier, but like. And I looked up the the temperature for the game against the A's, and it was 71 degrees. So you know, like like in a sweet spot. Yeah, like that's yeah exactly the the Tim Linscomb sweet spot TM resting pitch face. Uh, (laughs) But like it was you know above that he melts. He just he melts like a goth at a at a beach. Like it's a problem. Again, not an inaccurate comparison. There, have you ever seen not seen Goths in Hot Weather, the Tumblr? Oh, I was in high school. I all of my friends were Goths in Hot Weather, just about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes. So doesn't Tim Linscombe in Hot Weather look like a, a sad Goth at a beach, or if Severus <laughs> Snape went on a picnic? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a more age-appropriate Severus Snape, also, because to be fair. Much as I love Alan Rickman, he was way too old. I don't know what you're talking about. He could totally have graduated high school in 1985. Okay, okay. I I love this topic, you guys, but, like, we're not a Harry Potter podcast. Unless we're going to position, place all of the Harry Potter cast, which, like, let's not do that this podcast. Maybe next time. I think that we can start break. And we'll have to have some interesting material for you then. But maybe now is not the time for Harry Potter. I think uh, now might actually be the time for our players and players that we love this week. Um, I just want to say that Bryce is clearly a Hufflepuff, but I, I agree. We should be there. <laughs> <laughs> we can come, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Because I think, I think we've got a lot of material there. Uh, but... <laughs> soul is a badger okay okay all right i totally agree but yeah oh yeah no okay um players and plays that we love this week yeah so michael a taylor sadly we didn't win the game but not for lack of his trying uh sunday michael a taylor his first ever multi-homework game michael right on that Michael A. Tater, right on that first pitch of the game, which was awesome. Um, and then he hit another one um, later on in the fifth. He also got, I believe, a single and a double, and he stole a base. I think he stretched a single into a double, mm-hmm. like, which is actually more impressive than just getting a straight-up double, in my mind, anyway. Like, I care more if you stretch it, if you hustle. Um, he had two stolen bases, didn't he? So he had a double um, in the third and a single in the eighth. Yeah. And I could have sworn he had two stolen bases. Maybe it was just the one. Well, he stole third off that double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he stole second later. And then, unfortunately, we didn't do anything with it, but... Sadly. Good for you, Michael Taylor. What What, what is his stolen bases at right now, this year? Uh, his total so far? Let me check. Well, and yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad to see that he's that that somebody who's hitting leadoff is looking more like a leadoff hitter or a hitter. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know Ben Revere took a while to heat up because of the oblique strain and all of that, and coming back, you know, and basically having his April in May, which was a yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they they have 
they have not been hitting in the get on base kind of way, kind of way. And quite frankly, I, you know, I like Michael A. Taylor a lot. I understand why Denard Span is now a giant, but I kind of miss him a little bit. Well, Michael A. Taylor shouldn't be a leadoff guy. I, he, he number one, he's wasted mm-hmm. on a leadoff spot. I mean, that's just, he needs to be hitting down the order somewhere. He's actually not terrible in the, in the two spot. Not great, but, like, not terrible. But he shouldn't be hitting, he should be hitting, like, sixth or seventh, honestly. Um, also, he tr- he just tries too hard when he's in the leadoff spot. And that's a problem. He always is, like, pressing there. And that's what Denard Spann had, was Denard Spann was always just so relaxed in the leadoff mm-hmm. spot. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's probably an age thing and a been around the block thing and a God don't send me back to Syracuse thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, the good news is he's stolen 10 bases already, and somehow it looks like he only stole 16 all last season. Oh, so he's already on pace for more. Well, that said, last season we stole like 16 entire bases as a team. True, so he was responsible <laughs> for most of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like Wilson Ramos stole a lot of bases last season. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Wilson Ramos's first stolen base. I'm I'm waiting. Has he ever stolen a base like that really wasn't just it. clear defensive indifference? Maybe or a little error? I believe like 12 year old Wilson Ramos totally stole a base. Like if we put a golf cart between first and second and loaded him on it. <laughs> Aww. He's. I like him. He has the I same love... approach to jogging as I and Geo do, which is don't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day he'll get the Adam LaRoche like sneak steal, where just like I'm just gonna stroll over to second, and y'all weren't expecting it, and I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, act like you own the place, and you he'll know, just like. like... <laughs> but again, that's defensive indifference at a certain point. Like, a little bit. You know, a little bit. If if Wilson Ramos steals a base, that is by definition defensive indifference even if it wasn't defensive indifference. <laughs> That's probably true. Oh, Maybe, can they piggyback to steal a base? Maybe someone else can carry him. Oh. Who would you want to give Wilson Ramos a piggyback, though? He's pretty solid. Clint Robinson. Oh, Clint Robinson! Good call! He told yeah. Okay, I'm on board with this now. Yeah, it has to be somebody who's tall just to get him up off the ground. Yeah, so not Ben Revere. No. Yeah, no, no, oh my god. <laughs> ben Revere and his postage stamp strike zone. No. <laughs> no. Um, actually, I think as part of the hashtag make the all-star game fun for the first time, we should say who who we want to have do like a three-legged race. We're going to get to that one. We're gonna get Jose Altuve and who? David Ortiz? Doug Fitzer. <laughs> that would be awesome, actually. Yes. That would actually be fun. Don't tease me like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We miss Doug Fister and his ability to reach things on high shelves. Like, <laughs> he's very tall. He's, very, he's 90% leg and yeah. 100% heart. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so Michael A. Taylor is, is getting it done, even though the team lost the freaking well, so- Padres. Wilson Ramos not stealing some bases, but uh, we're still doing some interesting things in a, like, small baseball way, not just stolen baseballs. Or, <laughs> stolen, yes, let's steal all the baseballs. Stolen bases, not just stolen bases. We're getting some small ball done. Tanner Roark and his safety squeeze. Yes, Tanner Roark can be my safety squeeze. So, 
Um, this was this was a little while ago. So this was back on June 11th. Um, so Tanner Roark, um, you know, and and I'll be talking about good hitting pitchers later. And I want to say when he first came up, Tanner Roark was actually much better hitting than he currently is. But maybe that's also the bump a lot of guys get for being newish. Um, and sometimes you see that. And coming straight out of the minors where they're actually hitting, you know, yeah. like they actually have to do it on a regular basis, yeah. Yeah, tr- true. Um, so this was back on June 11th. Um, he lays down this beautiful safety squeeze, so it's right, you know, a little bunt right up basically the first base line, drives in uh, Tony two bags, um, and it was just, ugh, it was a beauty. Um so yeah, as you said, it's a, a nice a nice small ball thing. Um, obviously, safety squeeze and then suicide squeeze don't don't happen a lot. So that's a a nice thing to see that they're doing sort of little stuff right. Uh, in addition to hitting ball very far, which I is was, also good. I like that too. <laughs> I was actually at that game, and I was just sitting there and I was like, "Did that just happen?" Because I was trying to think like. <laughs> When was the last time I saw the Nats pull a squeeze of any variety? Like, I, it's not... When Dusty I mean, hugs somebody? Oh. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, like Davey didn't do it because Davey was Earl Weaver school three-run home run. Mm-hmm. Matt Williams didn't do it because God only knows why <laughs> Matt Williams didn't do it. Matt Williams just didn't strategize that way, I guess. <laughs> um... But Dusty, like, Dusty's come in and he's been doing this small ball stuff and and then finally, finally, we get a safety, and it's not like the, it's not like our pitchers couldn't bunt. Our pitchers could always bunt. Well, some better than others. Can Gio Sorry, bunt? Gio. No. No. <laughs> no. But that's okay. That's alright. <laughs> but no. Um, but like, we, we've had decent bunting pitchers, but we've never tried to pull a squeeze. Like, I, like I honestly, I can't remember the last time. We, I mean, I'm sure somebody is gonna, somebody is going to email us at restingpitchface at gmail dot com and tell me the last time the Nats pulled it's a squeeze, it's safety, or a suicide. However, I can't remember the last time it happened, and it, it, it was probably back in the days of like Frank Robinson. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, if Levon Hernandez figures into that, it's probably not super recent. No, no. Um, maybe, it, may, maybe it was John Lannon or something, you know what I mean? Like, it was like 2007, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm sure they've done it before, but I can't, I honestly cannot recall the last time I saw it, because I, I doesn't love a safety squeeze, right? Yeah. No, it was, it was pretty, and he was wearing high socks when he did it. Extra points. Yes. Always extra points. I think you should get an extra an extra run if you do that while in high socks. <laughs> Is that not Well it would it, it would incentivize everyone to uh wear high socks. Yes. Sure. Oh god, what they were wearing the high socks uh yesterday, I guess or yeah, you know. like, um oh those were bad. I was like Gio was wearing high socks and I got all excited about it and then I went and I looked and I was like, Oh, but those uniforms are so unfortunate. I'm not happy about the fact that like it's it's ruined for me a little bit that he's wearing the high socks um and these were the the father's day pale blue socks uniforms baby blue baby blue yeah, yeah. Oh. like one don't put your gender essentialism on your legs two <laughs> they're just bad yeah if you're going to put your gender essentialism on your legs at least do it with good design yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Those it was were... unfortunately, aside from the ugliness of the actual game, it was just like a visually ugly game because between the camo jerseys and the baby blue and everything else was just like, why are you making me look at this? Just variate the, the whole thing. And taking two out of three from the Cubs and then losing to the Padres twice. I mean, but that's A, baseball, and B, not baseball. True. You're fair fair point. You know, I'm always amazed by our ability to beat, you know, the Cubs, sweep the Cardinals, although they're not having that great of a season. But, you know, do all of that and then go in there and lose to the Braves. For some reason, hush your mouth. For some reason, it's already happened this season. I'm not jinxing anything. It happened. I know. I know. And we, I mean, we got swept by the Phillies. Now, admittedly, the Phillies are not as bad as they were last year or the year before that, or you know, but like it was still kind of like embarrassing. But we, kind of almost historically, done worse against the bad teams and done better against the good teams. Not not as like an overall trend, but like it happens. Enough mm-hmm. that it's noticeable. And so. I think some of that is, like, they had the really late game against the, the Cubs. I think, it, you know, it went to extra innings, and then <laughs> they had to get on a plane and fly to San Diego and play the next day, which was bad scheduling. However, they did, A, it wasn't supposed to be a 12-inning a game, and, you know, two, they won that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I think... Oh, what Dusty Avery said? Catch up, so... Yeah, wasn't Dusty the one who was saying that it's the second day after the getaway day that it usually gets to you worse? Because you're not running on adrenaline. I thought he was quoted. Tired. Right? Right. Yeah, Dusty was definitely quoted saying something like that last month sometime and how that's part of his strategy in terms of who he plays and who he rests yeah. is he actually thinks about the day after the getaway yeah. as being a harder day. You could have stopped that sentence with he actually thinks and that would be fine. As opposed to the starter guys are the starters and the bench guys are the bench. Like, yes. you know, in oh, addition God. to uh, into our man Clint Robinson actually getting some, some ABs and Chris Heisey apparently being good, except for his walk-up music. Um, and yeah. Stephen Drew. Wait, apparently. what's his walk-up music? It's Christian Rock, I'm almost positive. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Like, I looked it up and I was like, oh, well, you know. Look, he wants to take Jesus to prom. It's fine. Like, I also want to take Jesus or possibly Jason Worth's dog to prom. Like, have you guys seen those bobbleheads with Jason Worth's dog and they're doing, like, a prom dance? I'm going to the game. I don't think it... I'm going to the game. I'll take Jason I'm going to actually get one, but if I do, I will, like, make sure that we can all talk about it on a future podcast. Because <laughs> they look super Does the awkward. dog... <laughs> yeah, it looks like... Does the dog's head bobble, too? Neither head bobbles. It's just a figurine. It's not officially a bobblehead. You don't want a right. bobbleheading dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit wigged out by that, honestly. No, no. It, <laughs> if they both bobbled, it would be great. Like, he and his dog were talking about stuff. Like, they were talking about you before you walked in the room. That would be amazing. Exactly. They should both bobble. We should put in a complaint about this. I'm really disappointed that they don't bobble. I'm just Make happy. Baseball bobble again. I'm just happy they didn't take a cue from the Peanuts, who admittedly have some really great promos, but they didn't make a Jason Worth half-man, half-dog bobblehead. Because <laughs> we've had the Bufferine and the Sharkerine, and, like, I did not want the Magnusarine. Well, now we have um, Tony as Ant-Man. See, that one just looks good, though. 
But that's because they didn't make him an ant. Actually, I was expecting the Ant-Man suit. I was expecting him to actually be an ant with a human head. Yes, you know I honestly was too. An ant, okay? Because ants are girls. Ants are girls. Kay and I bonded over our mutual hatred of the Ant-Man movie because ants are girls, and Anthony oh the God. ant was actually Antonia the ant, and they had to go and correct it in like the DVD commentary that it was like Antonia and not did they, Anthony. Did they actually in the commentary? Something in like the director's cut or the commentary, they went back and they were like, "Oh right, that's ants awesome. are girls." I that never would have occurred to me. Oh, I hope E.O. Wilson texted them late at night, like, spent, what the hell? I spent the two hours of that movie going, answer girls. Okay, but answer girls. Answer female. <laughs> I didn't see that movie, but now, if and when I do, that's going to be the only thing I'm able to think about full time. So thank you for that. Yeah, don't worry. You, the, tune in for for Nationals Baseball and a bitter feminist response to the Ant-Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like, that, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> That wasn't right. even the bitter part. Yeah, we'll go. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, in that 13 inning game that we were talking about before we went on a like massive walk down bobbleheads and Marvel, um, <laughs> it was a 12 inning game that almost became a 13 inning game against the Cubs before they went out to uh, San Diego, and obviously the Nats walked it off. Thank you, Jason Worth, yet again. But before that happened, Anthony Rendon got ejected. And so I'm calling this my play I didn't love this week because, first of all, why? Second of all, I think it's an interesting thought experiment to figure out what, what could have been done had Anthony Rendon been ejected and then we had to go to the top of the 13th defensively. Because I've, we've seen what Dusty said he would do. But... I think it's an interesting, you know, discussion to have. What 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 would we do if Anthony Rodone got ejected? Well, he was ejected, and then we had to go play the 13th. So what Dusty said he was going to do was uh, put Loby at short and then move Espy. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Um, or alternately move uh, Zim over to third and put Ramos at first, which actually Wilson sounds like Ramos. Infielder. I like that. I feel like that makes I, more sense than Lobotone at shortstop. Personally. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Doesn't have to run. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, I do think I think Wilson Ramos' first baseman has potential. And I think he's going to also have to think about this potential because he's either going to have to convert to a first baseman or he's going to have to. Um, be a DH somebody somewhere for somebody in his future. I mean, I, I don't of his Fabergé hamstrings and the <laughs> fact that okay, so I wasn't it wasn't going to go with this, but this is his walk year, and mm -hmm. I'm not entirely convinced the Nats are going to resign him, and I'm not entirely <sighs> convinced anybody's going to resign him as a catcher unless he's also going to occasionally first base or DH. I could see him as a part-time DH. I just think he does have... I mean, look at the no-hits he's called. You know, say what you want to say about his technique as a catcher in terms of blocking pitches and the whole using his glove versus using his body, and FP is often the first to point that out, but 
I mean, how many? The no hitters, two of them, and then Max's near perfect games and and the twenty wasn't yeah the twenty strikeout game and Tanner Vork's ridiculous. What was it? Fifteen strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, off. obviously the pitchers are not nothing in that, but the catcher is something in that. You know, and so I just think discounting him as a catcher is premature. Yeah, and I think, like, the the sort of role that Dusty has him in this season is definitely emphasizing his sort of skills in the mental part of the game, of getting to call stuff more. You know, he's going to the mound more rather than having um, folks come out of the of the dugout to go and, you know pat whoever is having a freak out on the head though really the only people having freak outs this year are Gio who that would be Lovi, right mm-hmm. and then yeah. um, Tanner Roark who always looks like he's 30 seconds away from becoming the Hulk um, <laughs> I, I, I know I but he does um, and so but like I, I think you're right like his ability to call a game I do think that his hamstrings are a finite resource Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, his ability to do the mental side of the game is going to absolutely outlast his ability to do the physical side. Yeah. Uh, you know. He's, he's 28, 27. 28, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of catchers don't, you know, not every catcher is Yadier Molina, not every catcher is uh, Pudge or, you know, like... Their legs go. Buster Posey's been playing some first base. So having Ramos, like get a little time for space lets him kind of keep keep going and actually still get to field a position letting him use that knowledge that he has while you know not letting his body fall apart I don't want to yeah, live in a I, world where Buster Posey is too old to do things well he's been playing first I think since his injury right that was a strategy a long time ago and obviously yeah. You know, as he's getting older, it continues to be a good strategy. But I thought, and I could be wrong on this, but I thought that they sort of did that after his injury specifically. It was part and parcel. Um, Okay. Yes. I think it was accelerated by his injury. But frequently Mm -hmm. catchers are getting shifted out of catcher because their knees go. Yeah. Um, To be honest, I'm surprised. We've we've seen it with our our friendly neighbors, the Orioles. Matt Wieters um, has been taking some time at, at first. I believe. Um, not because he's not a good catcher, but because, you know, his body's not going to... Do you want to Do you want squat for 60% of your life? Like... <laughs> no. It's not no, but I that. also don't want to no. run or uh, throw or do anything athletic. I just... It, <laughs> like... Once again, my approach to jogging is also... Wilson Ramos's approach to jogging, which is if I hit the ball far enough, I don't have to run too fast. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's that's probably something worth looking into. Like I know with a lot of the age projection curves for like goalies, because um, goalies tend to peak earlier because like even though their mental game gets better, their physical game gets worse earlier than most. Because other... they're squatting for sixty percent of their lives. Yeah. 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 Um, and so like they they peak at like. 25 versus peaking at like 28 stuff like that so i'd be interested in like looking at the age projection for catchers because i imagine orcs pretty similar um that mm-hmm. of the week for next podcast maybe or a future po- podcast anyway yeah no, i think uh, that would be an interesting one to to get into uh age on 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 catchers whenever i see a catcher who's over 30 i'm like 
Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you saying that to his face or to his behind? To his face, yeah. Because I meet I meet catchers and I just go, "Good job, buddy." That's that's the thing. Because <laughs> I kind of want to be like, "Your knees are amazing. Let me thank them." Yeah. Like in a totally a totally not weird way. <laughs> I'm just gonna talk to your knees. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. So, what did we actually want to do? Other, oh, I guess mo- move Wilson Ramos to first, and then Ryan Zimmerman and his shoulder <sighs> to third base. When are we buying that boy a bionic shoulder? I'm envisioning something like Winter well, Soldier-esque. Was... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although not the brain. Serious question though, because I don't remember. Hmm? Um, I was asking where Danny was in all of the positions we were playing with. I don't so, remember. I think so if it was this, if it was a straight substitution, Ryan Zimmerman goes to third, uh Ramos goes to first, then Danny would stay where he is. If Lobatone came in to short, then Danny would go to third because Danny has played third. Because again, Danny Espinosa bingo. We are down to a very small number of positions Danny Espinosa hasn't played. But I'm wondering so, if there's any other if there's any other thoughts on on what we could have done. I didn't know yeah. that Yeah. I didn't know that Jose Lobatone took regularly took grounders at short during BP. I didn't either. I've moved Danny to catcher, put <laughs> Lobie in his short just to to put it on the bingo card. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just for bingo. <laughs> just they were like, you know what, ladies, we heard your podcast and we think this is a great idea. Boom. Or, Boom. you know, if we're worried about Ryan's arm, which we are. Could we have put him at second? Mm, I wouldn't. You still need a pretty good arm at second. It's just not as long of a throw as that third. Potentially. So then put Danny at third. And then was Murphy still at second or had we swapped him out already? Murphy was still at second. I mean, I think there was no reason to to shift second. Um, unless wow. somehow you had a, uh, unless you had a circumstance of like, well, you move Danny to second and then somebody else goes into short and freeing. But yeah, I think second would have been standing pat. Um, I think the issue is if you put Loby in at short, you couldn't have him at short and Murphy at second and pretend that that wasn't a disaster. <laughs> that is That's a very fair. good point. That is a very good point. Um, so maybe it would have. I don't know. Maybe just put Murphy in at catcher. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually want to see that game. <laughs> I do, but I don't want it to be when he's playing on our team. Ex- exhibition game. Exhibition game. They're playing the Orioles in, like, March 28th. We can put Murphy in it, catcher, just to see what would happen. Uh, I assume a lot Not of half balls that. is what's going to happen. <laughs> like, well, to, Okay, to be fair, I know we all like to shit on Murphy. At the, on this particular defensively, um, to be fair, I think if you plucked just about anybody and put them in catcher, there would be a lot of pass balls. Wasn't Tyler Moore technically our backup catcher in one game last season? I don't think so. He's always been a backup first baseman. Now, admittedly, if you consider that sort of like interchangeable, like maybe, <laughs> but I don't think ever officially. I don't know if it was official, but there was some game where we went into extras. No, that's when he pitched. 
No, that was a different game. And then they, <laughs> there were a lot of, there were a lot of weird games last season. Let's be honest. Um, there was, I'm positive about this, so I will look it up and we can put it in the in the post afterward because I'm positive there was a game where they went and asked Matt Williams, okay, you know, you'd burned Ramos and gone to Lobaton or vice versa or whatever, and I forget who exactly was used, but he, they asked him, okay, you know, come hell or high water, who would have been next? Wasn't it Bryce though? Bryce used to be actually, a catcher. I think he said Tyler Moore. Before Bryce. I remember wanting to know why not Bryce. Maybe it was then. Maybe it's just because if you at that point asked Tyler Moore, hey, can you do this? He'd be like, sure. Yeah. I can pitch. I can catch. Play first he, base. Play right field. Whatever. You know, talking about all these position players moving around and pitching and, and, and catching and being just in the wrong place. Uh, there's been a movement towards having a pitcher's home run derby, which hashtag make the all-star game fun for the first time. And I have to say, like, the all-star game, I, I'm not sure who the audience is. Like, is it little kids? Is it people who are at the game? Because it's not fun to watch on TV, um, no one's trying super hard, you know, no one wants to get hurt, um, and they're supposedly playing for home field advantage in the World Series, but, like, how many people in the game actually care about that? None. Um, and so it's just, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't get a lot of caring from the players, so I would rather them just be, like, silly and make it really fun for, like, kids and me to watch than to watch them do their sort of current incarnation of the all-star game. I don't think kids are the target audience right now. Like, I think it's middle-aged men. Yeah. Much like most of baseball. And that's why the way they they do it is very, like, propping up, you know. And there are definitely ways that they could get more kids involved. I mean, we got to get kids involved because viewership will die of the game if kids don't <laughs> love the game. It's a kid's game. You gotta get kids enjoying it, right? And um, I think they just could be doing a lot better. I mean, they only have one, essentially, skills competition, and that's the Home Run Derby, which half players don't even want to play in because it might affect their swing or whatever, right? And well, and it's frankly not that much fun to watch as it is right now. It They, they just keep changing the rules and some of the rule changes are good, and some of them are just kind of, like, boring. And it's just... When when the people you want to see doing the derby don't want to do the derby because they, it'll affect their swing, <clears throat> cough Bryce Harper, like, there's only so much you want to watch, no offense, Michael Kadire do the home run derby. Well, you know who wants to do it, and who I would love to watch do it? Mad Bum? Mad well, apparently he's not the only one. Jake Arrieta now wants to do a home run derby. Really? And uh, supposedly a couple other pitchers to the point where they are now considering doing a pitchers-only home run derby. So who on the Nats do we want to sponsor for this? Gio. 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 He has hit more home runs than any other standing Nats pitcher. Uh, which, when I get to the stats analysis, is a low bar to clear. 
Like, <laughs> of course let it me, is. <laughs> let me be real honest. Like, the Nationals have, like, some of the worst home run hitting pitchers of any team oh. in the past 20 years. It's terrible. It is, uh, it is It is. very bad. But Gio, I believe, has the most. Yes, in that he has any. Well, Strauss has one. Jordan Zimmerman had one. Actually, Strauss has two. Excuse me. Strauss has two. Max has none. Max, none over his entire career just says the national. Oh, just says the national. I don't actually yeah. know if he hit any in. Well, he was in Detroit. Well, yeah, yeah I guess he wouldn't. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't. And then um, I don't know if he hit any when he was in Arizona. No, yeah. is is what I think I discovered. I can try to pull it up, but I think um, the answer to that was like, no. But we also had, um, let's see, so Jordan Straws and Gio all hit. Uh, Ever Jackson never managed to. Tanner Roark has not, I don't think, Doug Fister didn't. So, yeah, it's Gio and Strauss right up at the top there. So which of the two do we want to put in the home run derby representing the Nats? Well, Strauss would probably be more successful, but Gio would be far more enjoyable to watch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's true. Okay, Gio on those grounds alone. He would have the time of his life. He would talk to his hat. It would be amazing. <laughs> misses his hair <laughs> to talk to. I miss his hair. Yeah, but like... And you're the only one. <laughs> I know I'm the only one, but I will continue to defend that hair because I love it. Oh, you could tell he gets lonely without it, though. <laughs> It'll come back. I mean, so he's do we think... making more. That's true. Do we think anybody other than Madbum would actually have a chance to win, or do we think it would just be all Madbum? I think if you threw softballs at them, or put it on a tee, it would be a lot better. Well, like, it's not, you know, they're not ten. I wouldn't yeah. want it on a tee. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if you got, like, their parents out to pitch to them, and it was, like, softballs, I, I think some of them would have a chance. Their, their parents might plunk them, though, by accident. <laughs> Didn't, yeah, Bryce's dad did that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Inside cut fastball. <laughs> By accident. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, y'all can work that one out. Um, you know, maybe not put it on a tee, but, like, they're not going to be good at it, so I don't know. We'd have to – it would have to be under, like, different rules. I mean, first of all, it cannot be a two-hour or three-hour, like, slugfest the way – I mean – it would it would ha- they would have to have different limits. It would have to be something like you know it, go back to the old rule where it's not a time thing. It's a you've got ten pitches or yeah. you know like ten misses or whatever because the pitcher is going to get like one in ten misses um, or one in ten hits on the misses. So you'd have to you'd have to adjust the rules. But at the same time, I mean they could slug for as long as they want to. They don't have to worry about screwing up their swings, right? So. It could actually be really fun, and it would certainly be a move in the right direction of, like, let's do some things that will make people have fun watching, rather than just, oh, and he hit a ball, 485 feet going, going, gone! Like, like I let's... think you're underestimating the appeals of dingers, 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 dingers. Oh, I watch the Home Run Derby every year. I watch the Home Run Derby every year, I just... I think this would be a way to, you know, change it up a little bit. It would be a lot more fun to watch Gio Gonzalez and Madison Bumgarner and Jake Arrieta and, like, I don't know, 
Bartolo Colon. Oh, great. Yes. Right? Like, that's going to be more fun than watching Bryce Harper and uh, Todd Frazier and Joanna Cespedes. Like, that's going to be more fun. I wonder if Frankie would do it. He had a homer last year. Frankie? Yeah. Yeah. He might. I, I, I don't remember the entire list of, like, pitchers who saw Mad Bum and they were like, ooh, I want to do that too. Jake Arrieta was, like, the big name that I remembered, but I'm oh, trying to do that. a bunch of others that were like, ooh. Adam Wainwright wanted to do it. Uh, I don't know if anyone's asked Zach Greinke if he wants to do it, though I propose for the three-legged race, Geo and Zach Greinke together. Oh. That would be, like, die, though. tying a golden retriever to a Siamese cat. <laughs> no. Yeah, I want to watch that. They would... <laughs> Or or they could solve crime together. Like I'm not that picky. I feel like, like the All Star Game is terrible. <laughs> what? Yeah. So you okay, wanted so... to solve crime at the All Star Game? <laughs> I don't care. Like, you, tell me you wouldn't watch a show where it was Gio and Zach Granke and they solve crime. Oh, I would completely watch that show. But well, I don't know if there's question. like an All Star Game competition in that. <laughs> We're not talking about like relief pitchers. Of relief pitchers home run derby. We're not talking about position players accuracy pitching competition. Right? That I would watch. Oh, and yeah. speed also. It would be fun to see what relief pitcher could actually throw like reasonably pitch speed. And yeah, whether the there were guns. What? Yeah, get the radar guns out and be like, yeah. Um, One of the most fun things in the NHL, because the NHL does a skills competition, which is far more entertaining than the All-Star game for the NHL, because they're all kind of drunk, hungover, etc., um, <laughs> is the hardest shot competition is amazing. So that's uh, to do with hockey and not alcohol, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. a different kind of shot. Well, so what's yeah. the corollary? The fastest position player pitch. Like, So you're not going to get a position player throwing three, uh, 103 miles per hour, right? But, like, maybe there's a position player out there who's the who's Rick Ann Keel throwing, like, 97. Honestly, some of the people who play right and center field might be throwing up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so, and catchers, right? Yeah. yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see, like, Kevin Kiermeyer, definitely Bryce. Um, Desi these days, oh, he had yeah. a really awesome assist the other day, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, that was a beautiful throw home. Um, well, he always had that great arm. Yeah, I mean, he was just also all around very athletic, so, yeah. you know, shortstop, looking mm. like ballet. Um, mm. I miss Super Desi. Oh. Yeah, but, you know, you have SB yeah. to cry into. I do. I do. <laughs> so, and, and you know, to, to look up starry-eyed at. Or the defense at. squad has gotten a little bit more material to work with this past couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, he's been he's been hitting the ball good, uh, or at least long. He's uh, almost tied Bryce in home runs. <sighs> that's, <laughs> you know, that's due to two factors. <laughs> you know, no, but I, I, going back to it, yeah, I would want to see, you know, which center fielder, right fielder, and catcher is going to throw the hardest, you know. Speed so, com- base paths running competition would be really fun. Wilson Ramos. I want to I want to break this down really quick, okay? Because <laughs> if we're doing, because you you went with a couple of things there. If we're doing hardest throwing position player. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we should split that into first of all, there's accuracy and then there's hardest, right? Yes. 
So that's two different things. And then do we want to divide it up by like position? Like say first baseman against only first baseman? Or are we going like first baseman against center fielders against third baseman? You know what I mean? Like what, what are we like, would we have it be multiple stages of competition or just like free for all? I think it's the most fun when you consider the people who are there and then do them head-to-head matchups just based on, like, rivalries and nonsense. Like, <laughs> don't try to bring intellectual rigor to it. Like, try to make it the most fun. So do it like a bracket. Yeah. Based on who's there. But, like, and again, this is going back to the NHL just because that's my point of reference for this. <laughs> like, they decided to have Phil Kessel uh, race against Tyler Sagan. Um, and Phil Kessel is fast and gets derided for not being athletic. And Tyler Sagan was in the ESPN body issue. Like, and so looks like he should be in the ESPN body issue. Um, and Phil Kessel beat him and it was awesome. You know, and, and it's based around, like, they were traded for each other, essentially, and all of this stuff. So, like... Do it, like, see who's nominated for the All-Star game, and then do the bracket just based on what's going to maximize fun. Like, I don't know, Jose Batista versus somebody. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Odor. <laughs> oh. Jose Batista versus the entirety of the Texas Rangers. Like, let's let's just do it to maximize fun. You know? Well, okay. Uh, do we have a bat flip competition? Talking about Jose Batista. And oh, yeah. All around the world. Let's get some bat flips in this competition. I got David Ortiz to win that one personally. What bat flips? David Ortiz and bat flipping. Is it bat flipping big in Japan and Korea as well? South Korea specifically. I mean, it's big in Japan, but like South Korea is the one where the more South Korean ball players we get, the uh, more bat flips some people are going to have to like choke on. We're all pro bat flip, right? The three of us, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So some of these old guys are going to have to, like, deal with uh, some more bat flips. I mean, some of these, you you could have just ended that sentence that some of these old guys are going to have to deal. (laughs) And I think it would express how we feel about old guys a lot of the time in baseball. Yes. Play the game the right way, blah, 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 shut it. I want to see bat flips. I want to see people, like, running on the base paths in a slip and slide. Like, it needs to be the most fun possible, right? Just just let people have fun. No one's going to take the game seriously. And that's, or, or, like, the skills competition. Like, it's okay to not think of baseball as being, like, something so sacred it's become... You know, I, I love this game. I actually do consider this game sacred, and we all need to fucking unclench. Like, you, you need to watch your mouth. <laughs> I do. Hey, that was one. I, that was Sorry, one. Jar. You can consider this game sacred, you can respect this game, you can love this game, and not have to... I don't even... Like, just... Regiment self-expression within it? Yeah, not have to be this... Fudging, <laughs> tight ass about it, right? Like, there's room for both. You can consider it a temple and still enjoy it. Like, yeah. And the other thing is, a lot of this, like, play the game X way, is super racialized. Oh like, yeah, no kidding. Like, it's you know, it's one of those. Oh, amazingly, you know, obviously, bat flips are you know, a lot of Latino players do it. A lot of Korean players do it, a lot of Japanese players do it, but, like, it becomes this, 
this thing where having any fun when you're playing baseball all of a sudden becomes like a, at the very least, indictment of your Americanness, which it shouldn't be because it's supposed to be fun, right? And so, you know, yeah. it becomes... There's like multiple layers there to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think a bat flipping contest would be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think. Height, like this is how we could uh, we could rank this stuff. You know, like mm -hmm. creativity. It would, I, I feel like it would have to be like like you know the artistic competitions at the Olympic right the Olympics. So mm -hmm. you know, there's no objective scale. It would have to be a subjective. But you'd get like nine points on the creativity. Like seven points on the the execution. Like you get certain points on height, certain points on distance, like <laughs> certain points on number of rotations, and it would all come together, and you'd get like a nine point seven, a six point two. Um, you know, I think that would work. I am kind of imagining a panel like on Chopped, but like all taken <laughs> up by like people in mascot uniforms, so or a mascot, <laughs> so it's like the Philly fanatic <laughs> being like and orbits and um, yeah. who else is a good one? Oh God, like get a pierogi in there, get one of the, the brewer's sausages, get Teddy. <laughs> It's yeah. Like, just go. Wait. Oh, right. This is entirely audio. I can't make facial expressions, and and anybody understand what I'm doing. <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, it's all made up, and the points don't matter because it's a bat flipping competition. Yeah. Right. I think the fanatic would be very well qualified to judge a bat flipping competition. I think that's exactly what he has the qualifications for. I think we should encourage that. Mm -hmm. The winner gets to steal his um his four wheeler. Yes. Yes. Gets to go on joy rides. Exactly. So just like, gets a set of keys. They don't have to steal it anymore. Oh, solid. Yeah, I, I think that that they need to do this. Like rather than slugging through four and a half hours of home run derby. After a while, it just gets tedious. Well, and like other than you know, yes, okay, I know David Ortiz can hit the ball really far, and I enjoy watching him. But I feel like there's a certain point where they start scraping the barrel. Mm-hmm. Like there were a bunch of people in the in the home run derby where I'm like, mm -hmm, okay, like you're here too. <laughs> yeah, like, don't well... don't be the Aunt Peggy. <laughs> I was actually literally about to make that joke. <laughs> Do it. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's always the Aunt Peggy. Who is the Aunt Peggy of the home run derby? <laughs> well, it all just depends on. Okay, so who who are do we even know at this point who the captains are going to be? No. Like, because um, all I can come back to is, and I mean, I respect what he was doing. I respect it, and because it matters not at all. Um, David Wright, a couple years back, when it was at City Field, he was like, well, I'm going to pick my, uh, I'm going to pick the guy that everybody wants to see, the guy with the best, wh who's leading in home runs, and then my buddy, because screw you, I'm picking Right, and so it was like my, it was like Ann Peggy and Michael Kadire. <laughs> you know, it's like Michael I have nothing against Peggy. Michael Kadire, but Michael Kadire is not the top of my list for like the home run derby. You know what I mean? But he was like, "That's my guy." So I picked one for the fans, one for the stats, one for the home team, and then my buddy because I'm I'm the captain. And Peggy. And Peggy, like, and I I don't I got nothing against that because again. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> all right. A any other ideas on making the uh, the All Star Game hashtag fun for the first time? Well, 
we kept referring to it. We never said speed race, just foot race. Who the hell's faster? I need to know these. I, like, I need to know objectively who's faster. Billy Hamilton? I was going to say D. Gordon, but uh, not anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, that's... Billy that's Hamilton awesome. or Michael A. Taylor? <laughs> I think I know the answer to that, but regardless, I would like to like have a foot race and find out. Um, Danny's pretty fast. We can get him in there. That'd be fun. Danny also, versus Michael Taylor. Well, I yeah, that would be that would be with the Nats uh, inclusive All Star Game um, competitions. I'm trying to think like wider scope, right? Let's have a pitcher foot race. Let's have a catcher foot race. Yes, <laughs> yes, because there are a couple of guys who are so. There's like the three tiers. There's like okay, you're actually fast. Then there's you're fast for a catcher, and then. You're a catcher, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who would be an all-star and fast and a catcher. I feel like Zuki. you could have two out of three. Zuki, mm-hmm. uh, was it last year or two years ago? Whatever Kurt Suzuki went to the all-star game. He was actually fast for a catcher bordering on actually fast. But... He's about the only one I can think of off the top of my head that fits that even close to criteria. <laughs> do they have to do it in their gear? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. If it's catchers, if it's catchers racing against other catchers in the gear, it has to be in the gear. I, I'm thinking like the NHL does a does the speed race and the goalies have to do it in the goalie in their goalie getup. So I'm thinking like catchers absolutely have to do it. In all of the gear. Absolutely. Be beautiful and very loud. Actually, you know what we should do? It, we should do, because we're in charge of this, of course. Um, the entire foot race should be in catcher's gear. <laughs> regardless. <laughs> regardless. I, I think and that we, would invite some injuries. <laughs> like, what is this beekeeping mask and why do I have to wear it? <laughs> <laughs> And that's the goal. If the goal is just fun, then that would work. But I think if the goal is not death, that would be a problem. We'd probably just have to extend the all-star break from four days to, like, actually seven days. Or from four days to hospital. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just everybody take a second and picture Bryce in catcher gear. That's not that hard, because he was a catcher. I think it's a good mental image, personally. (laughs) I don't know. He doesn't have that lower body bottom thickness like most catchers. <laughs> I want to picture Jose Altuve in catcher gear. I feel oh like my... he would just get lost. He would look <laughs> like he would be wearing his older brother's stuff. Like, oh, I like Jose Altuve. I, I like that him. someone my size can play baseball professionally. I'm sports. never going to be able to say that, am I? You're not that much shorter it than might. me. I never thought I could say it, and then Jose Altuve happened. So, like, maybe, you know, I'm four foot ten. It's possible. I mean, I think you you have a better chance in baseball than basketball. That's true. I think there is technically a minimum height requirement in baseball. I don't. I. I, I don't think they ever have to say it because normally, you know, if you're five foot four, Jose Altuve, you're not playing at the level of everybody else. Yeah. And then you just get a toy cannon two situation. Yeah. Actually, for stat of the week, I might you can filter on play index according to height, so I kind of want to see who's 
sort of the best hitting tiniest player. But even so, it's still not going to show us how tiny. And it's, it's going to be the two toy cannons. Um, at this point, we should probably transition into a slightly more serious topic. Well, so we had a sort of current events event at the, at Nats Park this past week, which was uh, Nats Night Out, and some of us were able to be there, some of us were paying attention, and we've all got some thoughts on it, and we've got Jen Rubenstein here uh, of Queer Fancy Stats on Twitter, and also, you know, Jen Rubenstein at Twi on Twitter, and we're all going to be talking about some of these things. Hi. Hi, Jen. We're really happy to have you. Um, awesome. So I wasn't at Night Out, sadly. Um, so Kay or Jen, does either of you want to just give a little rundown of what well, the most fun things were? Um, I unfortunately, despite my best efforts, was stymied by work and WMATA, and I only made it at the Anthem, so I missed 90% of the actual events of Night Out. Um but Jen, I understand that you were there. I was. Yeah, so maybe you want to <laughs> share a little bit about... Sure. Um, I actually got there really early. Uh, my friends that I was meeting up were not there nearly as early for very similar reasons. Um, but I basically was wandering around where everyone was um, drinking and enjoying themselves pre-game. Uh, I basically wanted to get there in time to get food before the lines got crazy, and I actually ran into um, Dan Steinberg, who is a DC oh. sports bog, um, who informed me that I was actually wearing the same shirt as Erica Scherzer. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so that was appropriate. Um, but after we chatted for a few minutes, he was like, oh, let's go find her, and I think she had already gone back down, so I didn't... I, I, just barely missed the opportunity to meet her. So one oh. of these days that will happen. <laughs> I'm just gonna be over here crying at the <laughs> meeting Erica Scherzer. Um, we'll get we'll get smelling salts for you if you ever meet Erica Scherzer. Yeah, I would. Pink couch. Yeah, or she could catch me. That would be okay. No, <laughs> based on that, no. <laughs> but well, so I got there. I got there right at the Anthem, which was the Washington, D.C. gay men's choir. Um, but that was about the extent of what I got to witness in terms of, like, special things that were going on at the park. Um, right. Well, prior that to that, saw they had another like... performance. Oh, did they? Yeah, they um, they actually performed True Colors. Aww. Field. Um, so that was it, was... it was really good. It was there. I don't know if um, you've... They had actually been performing that recently. I think they actually sang it down at the White House um, mm. on on Sunday night. There was like an impromptu um, vigil at the White House um, Sunday after the news had broken that night. And I think they're all down there because that was the same day as the the Pride Festival. So they mm -hmm. performed on the main stage at the Pride Festival downtown, and then later that night um, they they went in and did another another performance. But that it sounds like obviously it was already part of the plan for them to be there on Tuesday and they were going to be doing the anthem. Um, but there, the additional piece was added very last minute. And there was also a, a pretty large rainbow flag that was being held over the pitching mound while they were performing. So it was really good. 
was that um do you feel like that was a last minute in response to Orlando or do you absolutely plan yeah oh absolutely was there any kind of like um moment of silence because I was kind of expecting one but then I got there so late I don't know if it had happened before I got there you know what I I honestly don't remember I don't think so but they Mm -hmm. they announced that it was specifically to acknowledge what had happened in Orlando um and they had I mean um the uh the video ribbons all around the the ballpark were all rainbow and mm-hmm. it's yeah they they were they were not hiding the purpose of the events yeah i do remember there was a a, fl- a rainbow flag at half mast yeah. in center field yeah yeah yeah, and I think there, some of us were, were just a little bit dismayed that a lot of the sort of the stuff surrounding Night Out didn't necessarily get the mentions that we were looking for on um, Masson, um, though it was clearly on uh, social media and on and, and at the park itself. Um, so I think some of our, our questions are also based around that having, you know, I, I was at a work event, so I couldn't go. Um, but I think some of us were a little bit dismayed that it didn't necessarily get the mentions on TV that it probably should have. Absolutely. I actually saw a lot of people talking about that on Twitter because it, it didn't even occur to me um, that they wouldn't mention it. It seems like, I mean, they Masson will pan to the flags on a regular basis just coming in and out of um, innings the same way they, they pan to the, uh, the moon that hangs from the... Uh, was the crane out over center <laughs> field? favorite moon. So yeah, you think that they would be be showing not just the rainbow flag, but the rainbow flag and all the flags at half staff. They didn't show the flags pretty much at all. I was watching for it pretty specifically because I noticed right from the very beginning in the intro, they went straight into okay, Jonathan Papelbon on the DL. Let's talk Ooh. about that. And then they went straight into and let's start talking about the game and the pitches. And so I noticed right from the beginning, since they didn't mention it in the intro, and I was actively looking to see if they did even their usual panning to the flag, panning right. to the crowd. Incidentally, oh. maybe the crowd was wearing rainbow. There was none of that. Could I you didn't see realize the shirts behind bad. home plate? I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they didn't show the shirts behind home plate until they finally acknowledged it in the eighth. That just seems so bizarre because they were dir- like, you, don't you have to make an effort to not show the seats directly behind home plate? I think they might have been oh. making that effort. Um, I noticed there was somebody in a rainbow hat who was right at the edge of the set of seats that usually shows. Um, and as the game went on, it seemed like they were getting slightly tighter so that that person was conveniently always just cut off. That's so bizarre. I and I might be reading too much into that because, you know, the camera changes ever so slightly depending on what's going on in the inning. Um, but it it seemed to me that they were that they were sort of creeping in slightly to try not to have rainbow in the background. It's it's I mean that's much worse than I thought. Well, you and I were talking about this on the night of. Yeah. And I was just kind of being in a very like cynical place. Like I didn't really expect them to mention it or say anything at all because, you know, I didn't really I I just I I prefer to live with a, a layer of like a level of disappointment, you know, no expectations. Um, but what you're saying. Sounds significantly worse than what I was expecting. It like was I, pretty bad from from yeah. watching it at home because I was pretty bummed I wasn't there, and so I was excited to watch and see, you know, what's going on. Do they have the flag? Are they doing, you know, I saw on Twitter somebody was getting rainbow temporary tattoos. You know, what are they doing? So I was excited to see that, and then I was really I I was struck by how little they showed, even just of their normal crowd shots. Because I assumed within normal crowd shots you would see rainbow, and there really wasn't anything. 
That seems also very odd, given that the sort of organizational branding is such that, like, they were proud of having the, you know, first out ball boy in mm -hmm. uh, baseball. They're, you know, I don't want to say, like, the organization, you know, told Daniel Murphy to, to shut it, but Daniel Murphy has shut it <laughs> largely. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, um, and we can obviously come back to that and um, we will. talk a little bit about queer, queer fancy stats in particular. Um, but, like, you know, there was a, an article in the Post um, a couple of days ago about Daniel Murphy and Billy Bean mm -hmm. uh, apparently becoming friendlier after Murphy made those homophobic comments. And so, you know, the because organization... Because they really have conversations about baseball specifically, like batting. Those are their conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, I think that that was the organization trying to p pivot a little bit and be like, it's okay. He, some of his friends are gay. Like, oh, God. I think, actually, I don't know if that, I don't, I don't want to give that, I don't want to give positive or negative on the Nats on that one. I feel like that was something that happened immediately after Billy Bean and Daniel Murphy met. And they were like, maybe we need to PR this a little bit. Like, yeah, before but at the ever same time. Our... Well, in terms. Just in terms of positive or negative on the Nats versus Mass, and I actually think that's more where the difference was, because the Nats' official social media, their Twitter, all this stuff, they were all over promoing that it was night out, and they, you know, they turned their icon rainbow, which I was thrilled to see. Um, and so my impression was just, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. My impression was that the the Nationals' official, the real Nats organization, was really into promoting this and and being you know, proactive about showing their support, whereas it was Masson that wasn't on the same page. Yeah, and I guess I'm just not used to thinking of Masson and the Nationals as different entities, necessarily. But and they, they are. are. Oh, boy, are they. Yeah, awesome. uh, Does anyone know about the radio broadcast? Because they are more closely tied to the actual team. Hmm. I, I, I think I'm the only person, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm the only person among the three of us who regularly listens to uh, 106.7, right? I do if I'm out and about, and I'll, I'll put it on in my headphones. So I don't necessarily get the whole game, but I do probably a, at least three times a month. So that's not a ton, but it's, it's fairly regular. Um, but I wasn't that night, so I don't know whether they were better about it on the radio than they were on TV. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I was there, so I only listened to it. I would only hear Charlie and Dave when I was, you know, going to the bathroom. So not yeah. not really a great like sample size of like. Do you know they don't do that at every ballpark? They don't play the radio broadcast in the bathroom at every ballpark. They don't. I know it's weird. I was so confused the first time I went to the bathroom at Fenway. And I didn't know what was happening in the game. That's because at Fenway they assume that you have a radio in your pocket and you have an earbud in while you're watching the game. It wasn't only the I'm women's kidding. bathroom, right? It was none of the bathrooms? I wasn't in the men's oh. room at Fenway, but I'll find out the next time I'm there. <laughs> Were you going to multiple bathrooms? Or I'll be there in July to see them playing the Rangers. So I'll say hi to Desi for y'all and I'll find out if they play the broadcast in the men's room. You'll sneak in. You'll sneak in. Oh. That's funny. I never even thought about that because I know they do the same thing with the radio broadcast at Verizon during Caps games. So I just figured everyone did that. Yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> I feel it like okay, I'm trying to think. So the two most recent ballparks I've been to were Camden and uh, Citizens Bank. And I want to say that the Phillies did it. 
Okay. Camden, I'm almost positive, did. The O's. Now I need to pay attention when I go to other ballparks because I'm trying to make a point to go to at least one new one every year. And, oh, cool. Know, I don't know. <laughs> well, to call this, friends this, will be, this will be what we all do. We'll make a point to go to other ballparks just to listen to the bathrooms. <laughs> in, in the men's room in particular. You got a new yes. tumbler. <laughs> well, well, no, we'll, we'll recruit someone who will be our bathroom scout. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Someone for each city. Yeah, exactly. Can you go in there? Nothing weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen. <laughs> All right, coming um, back to Night Out. <laughs> yes. So we don't know if the radio broadcast was any better. Yeah. Um, I do think that the Nationals team promoted this night a lot more. I think there definitely were comments that I saw about, well, the name of the event doesn't say gay or LGBT or anything along those lines. At the same time, it's the name really came from the Night Out series. So it's mm-hmm. all of the DC sports have yeah. their own Night Out. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't know that the Nats had any hand in deciding that that would be the name. They definitely had a hand in deciding that they were going to be formally involved in hosting it. Mm-hmm. So when they had their own Facebook event, they had their own um, marketing campaign, the uh, – the picture of the the two guys holding hands wearing the rainbow curly W shirt. Oh, I didn't even see that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither did I. The picture saved. <laughs> uh, I think please. I saw it on on your Tumblr, but yes, I definitely saw that. Oh, I need to go looking for that because I don't remember seeing that because I didn't think Masson promoted it a whole lot. So again, the the disconnect between what the Nats were doing and what Masson was doing. You know, I remember that freaking yoga in the outfield promo. 7,000 times with the same stupid joke from FP every time. I don't actually remember them doing the promo for Night Out on Masson. I think there was a promo for the game on Masson. I want to say I saw it on, like, ABC. Oh. I think what they were doing, which is where I, where I was coming from, what I thought was they were treating it like any one of their weird specialty events and not giving it any, like, you know, so they're, like, they don't have huge amount of special promos for ladies night other than the fact that you can get that infinity scarf on a necklace right last year <laughs> this year it's an infinity scarf and they have promoted a couple times they have but they promote it from a like buy the special tickets mhm and then they don't do anything on the day of and i feel like they were being what i had thought was that they were just being very tone deaf about the context in which they were talking about night out like so they were treating it like it was pups at the park. Right? Well, they show much more of the relevant content at the game of Pups in the Park as FP goes and misidentifies every dog in the ballpark. Yes. They yeah. Do. I, I, yeah. I take your point. Yeah, no, I, I think I was just um, being a little bit more optimistic about what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I have to say that that might have been something where they, you know, it's it's one of those things where, how do I put this? It's, I, I don't want to excuse them for not doing that. I don't want to excuse them for not understanding that that's a bigger deal in light of Orlando and in light of the fact that it was, you know, pride in D.C. this uh, last weekend and all of that. At the same time, I can understand sort of a need to, to bring a somber tone to what should be a celebration event. But they probably should have promoted it more. 
Especially Sonic. considering they... The reason to not promo it from a somber perspective was only two days beforehand. Yeah. Right? And I mean, that's, and this gets into, you know, Jen's project uh, a bit more, but, you know, what is the role of professional sports in sort of broader conversations about homophobia and, you know, how do you root for players or teams with whom you strongly disagree and but you like I give the Nationals tons of money. I buy tickets. I buy merchandise. Um, you know I I rep the team all the time. And so like what becomes sort of their what what do we as consumers of their product need to see in the marketing of that product and need to sort of be able to reconcile ourselves with in the marketing of that product. And I don't know if that's a that's an easy type answer. <laughs> I don't think that's, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, Jen, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your your concept for Queer Fancy Stats and what made you come up with it in the first place? How it all started? Exactly. It, um, it actually began before anyone had any idea that Murphy would be a Mac. Like that, it, it did not even occur to me that that was a possibility. Um, it, it all started last year during the playoffs because, you know, the Nats were not in the playoffs, so everyone, not everyone, most of us, you know, pick our, our rooting interests. And my rooting interest, just kind of by blood, is the Mets. I know, I know, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult for me having the Mets and the Nats in the same division, not even just both National League teams with the same division because, of course, that's how the universe would make things happen. Um, mm -hmm. But that's the first sporting event of any kind I ever went to was at Shea Stadium when I was three. My dad is from Queens. I used to go there um, when my grandfather was alive and we used to go and visit. We would go in the summer and it would be 95 degrees in New York and you knew it was a hot day because my grandfather didn't have the top button of his cardigan button. Like Those are my <laughs> earliest baseball memories. So the Mets were in the playoffs. The Nats weren't. So I was rooting for the division, I was rooting for the Mets. And then, of course, the Mets went on a ridiculous tear, really due entirely to Murphy getting ridiculously hot. Mm -hmm. he, basically, every time he came up to bat, it seemed like he was hitting a home run, and that put them into the World Series. Knowing all the things that he had said that had been very widely publicized, whether it was on Outsports or Deadspin or anywhere else, everyone had read his words saying that he, you know, quote, does not agree with, you know, someone being gay. That, what does that even mean? I don't agree. I don't agree that you're a baseball player. That doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't <laughs> came out. Like, what? Like, uh, I just don't even know. But everyone's like, oh, it's, he's a really nice person. He's just very religious. Like, well, that's. Okay, good for him. So in order to kind of reconcile for myself rooting for the Mets in the World Series, especially since pretty much all of Nats Twitter was rooting for the Royals, I decided that I was going to make donations based on Daniel Murphy's stats. And I was going to donate them to the Hetrick Martin Institute. Um, if you're not familiar with the Hetrick Martin Institute, they're an incredible organization in New York City. Um, that's the organization that runs the Harvey Milk School. 
it's oh. yeah, it, they they are awesome. That's the organization that the uh, the New York Giants has teamed up with when they're doing things with You Can Play. They, I actually have a, a friend from several years back that that worked there, and that's how I learned about it in the first place. But it's it's a, it's a really awesome organization. So I said, okay, if he gets a hit, I'm going to donate a dollar, and RBI is going to be $2. If he scores a run, it's $5. A home run is $10, and a grand slam will be 20 bucks. I figured <laughs> that I was going to go broke. Everything was kind of overlapping because a hit and an RBI and a run and a home run, and I mean, that, if you hit a grand slam, I would have to pay for all of that. So I was like, whatever, <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, and then, of course, he went ice cold and went <laughs> Horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Um, and it wound up with my original donations, it would have been like $12 or something <laughs> like that. So I wound up adding a bunch of things. Like he struck out a lot. So I added some money for strikeouts. He had a bunch of errors. So I added money for errors. And then I wrapped <laughs> it up. So it, it wound up, I, uh, I donated $36, which um, by Jewish tradition, if you're going to give money for anything, whether it's, you know, for a birthday or for a wedding, anything like that, you do multiples of 18. Mm -hmm. 18 with Jewish numerology is, it stands for life. So anything that's multiples of 18 is very lucky. So I, I donated $36. And, you know, I had been talking a lot about this on, on Twitter and on Facebook. So I made my donation and I posted the confirmation and then um, I, I made the gift in special recognition of Mets second baseman, Daniel Murphy. <laughs> Um, and, and that was the end. That was it. Was like, okay, that's over. They lost. That's great. Uh, and then, of course, on Christmas Eve, when no one is on Twitter except the Jews, they, <laughs> yep, announced, I was there. <laughs> they announced that, that they had signed him. And I, oh, my gosh. I don't think I cried, but I was furious. I, I was at a, a restaurant with a big group of people, and I was, like, screaming. And a lot of people I was there with don't even follow baseball, so they had no idea why I had just completely lost my mind. So I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to watch baseball this year. I was already so furious about Papelbon and everything, even just mm -hmm. his existence on the team. And then this on top of it, I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to any baseball games. I'm not going to opening day. I'm just – I'm not going to do it. So at some point over the next few weeks – I realized I was a Nats fan before Daniel Murphy was a Nat. I will be a Nats fan long after he is a Nat. As long as I can make it through this period of however many years, then I, I just have to make it through and then everything will be fine. So like in order to do that, I figured that I could you know, come up with hopefully not as expensive of a pledge, but I want to do something for the whole season. Yeah, funny, right? I think yeah. you made him the MVP. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I was going to are you, are you charging for errors? Like, I haven't gone, I, I'm, I'm donating, but I haven't gone and, and looked at the, the spreadsheet. Are we, are we paying for errors or no. not? So, I appreciate statistics. <laughs> I am by no means an expert in statistics. And I don't know um, if you all follow or know of um, James O'Hara. He's next year DC on mm -hmm. Twitter. Yep. Um, I actually asked... I put a, a plea out for assistance and we were kind of throwing ideas back and forth. And he basically said, you know, give me some time. I'll try to come up with something. And so his idea was to use WOBA, which is mm. the weighted on base average. So the amount of money is based on the weights that go into the weighted on base average. So it's 88 cents for a single, $1.25 for a double, 159 for a triple, 207 for a home run, 20 cents for a stolen base, 
and 69 cents for a base on balls. Okay. So you're not ever going to have anything that doubles up. It's not like you have something for a hit and an RBI and a home run that would multiply. It's Basically, he said, based on last year's stats for the entire season, if you average it out, it would have been like $25 or $30 a month, and then I could maybe come up with something to, to throw some bonuses on top of that. So that seemed like a really great idea until it was opening day, and all of a sudden, from one single game, it was $4.70, and there was like another 20-something games left in the month of April. Yeah, I was going to say, May was in the 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah, April was $38.51, and May was $54.03. And I think most of, I think we rounded it up just on the idea that because he got a, uh, he, he broke a batting record, we were like, let's just round that up. Yeah, yeah the three of us rounded it. I figured, kick in an extra $10 just for milestones. Well, right? I, I brought up to, uh, to uh, James, I was like, you know, I'm probably going to need to do something for the All-Star game that was not part of the plan when we were talking about this in, like, January <laughs> or whenever it was. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it did not occur to me or any of us, I think, including the Mets, <laughs> that the way he played in the playoffs was just going to go on and continue. So, Nobody yeah. thought that. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, there's there's no way that the Mets would have let him go like that if they <laughs> had no. any inkling. But it's funny, the fact that I had already planned to do this made it so much better for me personally that he was doing well. Because, you know, just talking about it on Twitter, anytime, even when he would just hit a single, I would get all these tweets of people just sending me, you know, like the little money bags emoji or the, the <laughs> dollar bills with the wings. And it just, of course, every single time he came up to bat, it was cha-ching, I could hear the sound effect in my brain. And it's... <laughs> It made and, it more entertaining. Rather than hating myself every time he did something good, I was like, well, the Nats win, and the queer DC organizations win. Everybody wins. <laughs> and it's not even just money. It's exposure, too. I mean, the fact that you've been doing this is getting notice. So yeah. even if, you know, even if our $60 per person a month, right, is only going so far, other people are becoming aware of it. Exactly. And that was definitely not part of my plans. I think there were maybe two or three other people um, that matched me or made their own contribution during the World Series. But it, it didn't occur to me. I guess him doing as well as he did kind of built the momentum a little more. Uh, and, and certain Tumblr accounts picking it up and running with it. So I very much appreciate that. Thank you. Well <laughs> Thank but you for now, doing I mean, all the legwork. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was pretty easy to reblog once you'd done all the math. <laughs> with, with a lot of assistance. I did put together, it's not just a spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet that actually does the math for me. <laughs> so, but it's funny. I mean, there have been day games when I've been at work, and I'll get the alert, the, the mass and text message alerts, and I'll, you know, pull up the, the spreadsheet in my Dropbox on my phone and make the little updates. So, and I've, I've done it live during the actual games too. So, so yeah, I try to keep the spreadsheet as live as possible. Mm -hmm. And the organizations that have been, um, I guess the, uh, you know, that folks have been giving to in April, it was Casa Ruby. Mm -hmm. And then May was um, Team DC. Um, Team DC. And then uh, June is, is Capital Pride. And this month is Capital Pride, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. 
So all, all great DC-based organizations um, that deal with some aspect of GLBT plus issues. And I so. wanted to make it specific to DC. That's why there are a lot of great organizations, um, organizations like You Can Play or GLAAD or things like that, but I wanted things that were really specific to DC. The the most broad that I get is um, for, knock on wood, everyone, the, for the playoffs, the plan is for PFLAG, oh, cool. but it's specifically the DC metro area PFLAG. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, what's, uh, what's coming up for July? Um, July is going to be Smile. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, and then the Wanda Alston House for August and the DC Center for September in those couple days in October. And just to clarify, the SMILE is the Sexual Minority Youth yeah. Assistance League? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, S-M-Y-A-L. Yeah. And it's if you um, – I'm on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Jen Rubenstein, but after joking about it for a little while, I actually made a Queer Fancy Stats Twitter. Um, and if you click on the uh, either the link in the bio that goes to the, the Tumblr page where I actually – explain why it started, exactly what I'm doing, and then I'm giving updates every month when I make the contribution. Um, I'm trying to also put a link directly to the spreadsheet anytime he does something that increases the donation. So you can go, the, uh, the entire spreadsheet for the full season is on there, and then one of the other tabs has the list of all the charities, and it has their, um, their Twitter handles also. Excellent. And their websites. Awesome. Have you gotten any response from the charities? When I've made the, the contributions, I've, I've had um, retweets from the organizations. Um, Casa Ruby tweeted me to just to say thank you after I made that contribution. Um, and I know Team DC retweeted me several times throughout the month. Basically, anytime I tagged them in a tweet, they were retweeting it. And so I realized that I should probably do that more. So I, <laughs> I kept on doing that. Yeah, we, we had had some conversations about, like, because we were giving sort of odd amounts and, you know, why what the organizations might think of, like, why did all of these people donate, like, $54 and whatever cents? Three cents, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we didn't but... want to tag it with Daniel Murphy because we didn't want him necessarily getting the credit. Right. Well, I mean, um, he's not on Twitter as far as, far as I know, so at least there's that. <laughs> um. But... But yeah, it's if there's an organization that allows something where when you make your contribution, you say, is it in honor of someone or in memory of someone, I definitely put a little something for that. Um, but a lot of the organizations, they have a very, a very simple, you know, PayPal donation um, mm -hmm. process, and there isn't really anything like that. Um, but if, if anyone goes to the, the queer fancies that's Twitter and reads the story, they'll see exactly what inspired it in the first place. Maybe that's what we should be doing is is in the memo field on the check, as it were. We should just tag it queer fancy stats. That's a good idea. Yeah, because we were definitely debating, you know, in recognition of Daniel Murphy or not and his name or not. Just putting queer fancy stats, I think that's a really good idea. So if anybody else is matching, that's a thought. <laughs> that's, the, that's the memo Absolutely. field. Absolutely. Hashtag queer fancy stats, yep. I don't think anyone else is using that as a hashtag, so it would be pretty easy to track <laughs> if anyone is talking about it. And if someone I else is using you, it. Yeah. I think if you Google it, you're the only person who comes up. <laughs> right. I cannot imagine why. But if someone else is using it, all to the good, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, as, as long as they're using it for good. Yeah. <laughs> it's catchy, though. I like it. I, you remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably better than Queer Saber Metrics. <laughs> <laughs> Although we can pretty much guarantee no one else is using that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably there. Might be there. too many characters for a, for a Twitter handle. Yeah, we, we <laughs> ran for a hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you're very familiar with that. Oh, yeah, we are. Well, All right. well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for, for spreading the word. It is super awesome that other people are matching, getting the same idea. That even if someone, I mean, when I was in, I mean, $50 for one month, That's I'm trying to not think about what it's going to add up to at the very end of the season. So that's why I'm very glad I decided to do it month by month. But yeah. even if that's, I know when I was in college, or especially when I was in grad school, there was no way I could have done, I, I, could, I couldn't afford much of anything when I was in grad school. <laughs> but that's, I know there are people who, they might not be matching exactly, but they are making donations to either the same organizations or similar organizations. Or if you're not in D.C. and want to pick, you know, LGBTQ organizations or youth organizations in other cities, that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, maybe it, hopefully it'll start a good trend. That it seems to have already, so if we can yeah. keep it rolling, if maybe he can heat up a bit again, and, and then everyone will start talking about it again. What? So that he has, what, an on-base percentage of, like, 0.95? Like... <laughs> well, he's, I mean, his, his batting yeah. average is down to, like, 3.6-something, isn't it? So oh, my so God, terrible. the pylon. Down. <laughs> God, throw him in the ocean. Only 360-something, gosh. <laughs> oh. That's I, that's just gross to hear. What a like, bug. <laughs> yeah. Geez, send him down. To, bring Lombardozzi up. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to. I know we were joking. I'll put a dollar in the Columbia, Maryland native Steve Lombardozzi yeah, jar. Steve Lombardozzi. Yeah. Oh. I'm glad he's back in the in the the system though. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you all so much for having me on. This has been great. You're welcome right. anytime. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Well, I think that probably wraps it up, wraps, about wraps it up for us. We had a couple other things we were going to talk about, but uh, we've been going on for a while. And uh, maybe let you all get back to whatever you're doing, right? Save yeah. some of this for the next time. Yeah, I think um, the, the statistical analysis will hold. Yeah. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to change at this point, probably that much. So um, thank you guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, who's come back. And thank you, everybody, who's just starting to listen to us now. Thank you, Jen, for coming on and talking about Queer Fancy Stats at, on Twitter. Excuse me, not at Twitter, on Twitter. Um, so please check that out. Please check us out on Twitter at Rustin. Pitchface, R-E-S-T-I-N Pitchface. We're also on Tumblr at Resting Pitchface Podcast. And we you can always email us comments, concerns, questions, uh, topic ideas, whatever. You know, we want to hear from you. So email that to restingpitchface at gmail.com. Does anyone else have anything they want to add to our closing comments? Let's go Nats. <laughs> Always. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats.
Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your eyewear. And the way you confused that is at the plate. There's a seat for you right next to Drew, and we need you to pitch the aid. Besides, there's no other team who uses chocolate sauce to celebrate.